Good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater Church. So good to have everyone here this morning. And um, my name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here in Tunkanic. And uh, we're going to be jumping into this series called Unlikely Christmas. And uh, one thing that's unlikely is that I became a pastor. That was unlikely. So, um, you know, I, I've been in working in counseling my whole life, and, um, you know, I've always loved the whole shepherding people and, 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 and loving on them and served in ministry in church over the years. It just, actually the preaching thing intimidated me quite a bit, and uh, so that's why I say it's unlikely uh, that I became a pastor, because I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then God was like, okay, here you go. Um, so I as unlikely as that was, um, here I am, here God has me, and so uh, hopefully this can be a blessing to you today. Um, you know, there's, we're going to be going into talking about uh, an unlikely birth today, and um, as I think about that, um, there were a couple births uh, that happened many years ago. Um, uh, both, my, both my boys uh, were born uh, premature, uh, seven weeks early. Uh, my son Elijah, um, he was born seven weeks early, and um, I, I can remember the stress, the emotions, the anxiety. Uh, I, I know he was born and then had to be in the neonatal intensive care uh, for 10 days. Um, my wife had to go home without him, and then, um, and then she had to quarantine with him for four weeks because of RSV and the time of year it was. And I'll never forget that because it was such an intense time. Like, um, I mean, I was sad, but, but Amanda really struggled. She had a, had a, had a ton of anxiety and, and depression at the time. And, and it, was a, it was a lot. Um, it was a lot at the time. And, and that was with our first son, Elijah. So she experienced all that, and then well, we both did. And then it came to our second son, Ezekiel, and so she saw all the doctors. There was, I think, three doctors, the regular doctor and the specialist and the delivery doctor, okay? So seeing all the doctors and all these things in their pregnancy with Ezekiel. And then um, and they assured her, every, you're going to carry full term? Yep, definitely. You're definitely going to, every, every meeting, you're definitely, you're, everything's looking good, you're going to carry full term. And um, <laughs> two days before Ezekiel was born, the doctor met with Amanda and said, oh, you're good. You're good. We don't need to worry about you. You were good. You're going to have that baby full term. Two days later, which was, again, seven weeks early, um, she had Ezekiel. And a lot of those, this was an unlikely thing because everybody was telling us, not going to happen. It's going to go full term. And um, so all those feelings, all those emotions came rushing back. Those intense emotions of uh, sadness and anxiety and fear and stress, all that together um, was quite intense um, with that unlikely, well, what we were told would be unlikely um, event that happened. And as we go into our story today, um, you're going to hear about Mary, the mother of Jesus, which this time of year, right, we hear about a lot. Um, there's not a lot that we know about Mary. We think she was probably poor, uh, poor as far as socioeconomic class, it's believed she was probably between the ages of 14 and 16. 
Um, we don't know a whole lot for sure except what we're told in the Gospels. Uh, but we can learn great things about what we're told about this favored woman of God. So let's start off in Luke chapter 1. It'll be up there on the screen. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So Mary had unlikely life events that occurred. This first was this. Her and her fiancé, Joseph, um, you see, in Israel, there was a right to kingship among Jews that passed on from father to son. The beginning of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, shows us that Joseph was in that line of descendants of the Jewish kings of Judah. As Jesus' adopted father, the right to rule went to Jesus. But there's another genealogy in Luke chapter 3 that's Mary's genealogy. She was not a descendant of the kings like, husband, like all the kings, like her husband Joseph, but she came from only two kings, David and Solomon, and Solomon's fourth son, Nathan, who never ruled. Now, this seems like somewhat of a fairy tale, so if you look at it, you're like, oh, Mary and Joseph, they're royalty. This is a, this is a prince and princess here, right? That's how they're going to live. Yeah, not, not so much. Um, they lived in a rural, a small rural village, and, but David lived 1,000 years before this, and Solomon had probably hundreds of sons. The chances of being related are not low, what was probably low was the chances that you had kept records of that genealogy for a thousand years. So for the average Jew of that time, it was unlikely, but not impossible, that you could prove that you were of royal blood. Let's take a look at verse 28, what Jesus says about, what Luke says about um, Mary. <clears throat> Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. See, Mary, she had an unlikely response to God's plan. She was one that was favored by God. She wasn't favored because of how she looked or because of who she knew. She was favored because of her character. And as the story unfolds, we see this character. She trusts God when it costs her her reputation. She trusts God even when she doesn't understand. How likely, how common is it to find someone like that who trusts God when they experience a highly unlikely event? It seems easier to find a descendant of kings than someone who would trust God in the midst of something like this. Let's take a look and see um, how she responded. Verses 29 to 31. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. So is this likely? Is this typical? To have someone... Is it typical to have someone who trusts God 
or, or someone who lives for themselves? Is it normal? I always find that, that question interesting. What is normal? Um, I've heard it said that normal is a setting on the dryer. That is normal. Um, so sometimes it's try hard to find what normal really is. I, I've, having worked in counseling majority of my life, I've probably come across about every mental health disorder. Um, and so in my own clinical mind, sometimes I'm like, all right, well, that's, that's when all, the, all, all symptoms are well managed or decreased. So that's, that's sort of the way I think in my mind. But... Um, but it's really hard to determine, in a sense, what, what normal is. But we know that it is essentially unlikely, this thing that's happening here. Um, and in that sense of being unlikely, um, this is Mary's response. So when she was confused, disturbed, and afraid, she wanted what God wanted. So if we qualify normal is not experiencing any mental struggles, then I don't think we're talking about normal. I think Mary's response here is comforting for many of us. Here is this woman, Mary, who found favor with God because of her godly character. She's an example for us to follow, and yet she experienced some significant distress. If you look in this passage, in the original language, it, it says confused and disturbed. She felt confused and disturbed. This can also mean that she felt deeply troubled. It means to be thrown into great confusion or to confound utterly, to confuse or feel greatly perplexed or to disturb wholly. So she, like Mary here, we should trust God even when we're confused, disturbed, or afraid. These were, this was an intense emotion that she was experiencing at this time. It wasn't something light. And all that... All that to say that Mary, she was experiencing this strong emotional state, but here is how she responds. She responds by asking God a reasonable question. Verses 32 to 34. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. I love how practical Mary's question is. How can someone be the son of the God? How can someone be the son of the Most High? What does that mean? And when you say his kingdom will never end, does that mean he will never die? There are so many mysteries in what the angel is saying. Mysteries that we understand now, looking back, but Mary didn't understand that at the time. She, instead, she asks a very practical question, which is, um, how did this happen? Um, I didn't get pregnant. <laughs> I'm a virgin. How does this happen? And it's, it, and, you know, it's even beyond unlikely. This isn't just unlikely, it's impossible. Mary believed in a God who could do the impossible. She, she is not doubting the angel here. She's just asking for details. What God wanted was impossible. It's not even the chances are low of a virgin becoming pregnant. It's not one in a hundred. It's not one in a thousand. It's not one in a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. 
No, there's not a chance. There's not a chance at all because it's impossible. So God describes how he will accomplish the impossible. Verses 35 to 37. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. So what do we learn here? Well, first, we learn that God does not discourage normal conversation, right? Sometimes when we talk to God, we feel like it's got to be this lofty conversation and we got to use big words. Yeah, no, we just, we talk to God. Mary asks a very practical question and she receives an answer from the Lord. Sometimes we may ask a question and we don't receive an answer and that's okay too. Um, but I encourage you that if there's something unlikely that happens in your life or something that God's, God's telling you to do from the scriptures and you're struggling with that, talk about it. Talk through it. Ask questions. One of the things that where we come into a crisis later in our faith is that we don't interact with the, the questions that we have. We don't interact with the things that are going on in our lives, and so we separate ourselves in a way from God. But Mary didn't do this. She asked questions. She sought to know from God. And so Mary asked the question, and she's told that a miracle will happen when the Holy Spirit comes on upon her, and now then will the baby suddenly appear in her womb, but it will be the Son of God who is perfect and holy. Then as a reminder to wrap it all up, we're reminded that God's word will never fail. You know, we, we could become so familiar with this passage because it's a Christmas passage, right? We talk about this at Christmas time. But one of the things that really stood out to me this year was I just stopped on this verse. And I was like, for the word of God will never fail. Just take that in for a minute. If God says he's going to do something, is he going to do it? Yeah. If God has a promise for your life, is it, is it going to come true? Oftentimes, when we get so caught up in our emotions, which emotions are fine, they're neutral, there's nothing wrong with emotions, but we can get so caught up in them that we don't, we don't really... Uh, um, we don't really end up trusting God. We just focus on those emotions. And we don't realize that the word of God will never fail. God's truth is God's truth. And I, one of the illustrations that I give oftentimes is, is, is that of a train. Um, and the engine of that train is truth, the truth of God's word. And then the following, the following cars in that train are faith and feelings, right? And... What we, the goal in our lives is to understand that God's word will never fail and to allow that train to be driven by the truth of God's word. And then our faith and our feelings can follow. But what happens with, with us, and I include myself in this, is I, I, I like to put the feelings in the engine and the feelings drive the train. And there's nothing wrong with feelings, but if the feelings can lead us in a direction that something may be true, but it may not be, Right? 
It may not be true. And so we need to remember that the word of God will never fail. We need to start with that truth. And that's what Mary did. So Mary asked this question, and she is told that this miracle will happen. How reassuring it is for Mary, who already believed in God, to know that if God says it, it will happen. Let's see, let's see what she does, how she responds is verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. You know, after experiencing these intense emotions that she experienced, feeling confused and disturbed by this new news, a lot of pressure. But she chose to trust God with what he told her. The next thing she does later in the passage, she hurried and told her cousin Elizabeth about this news. And then Elizabeth's baby jumped in her belly. and was so excited. You see, Mary wanted what God wanted. Even though it seemed unlikely, she trusted God with his word. She wanted what God wanted. She did the right thing and she experienced, as a result, she experienced terrible reputation for years to come perhaps for her whole life, because she was an unwed mother in the culture. Mary was willing to endure that hardship that would come after this. Have you ever had something happen to you that was out of your control? Perhaps this resulted in a poor reputation, loss of your home or your family. Maybe something was in, within your control. We heard that amazing story about that man at the beginning of the service who embraced Christ, right? Maybe something's happening right now. Maybe you're experiencing these intense emotions right now. Perhaps they're incredibly high. But there's an easy, easier way than to say hurtful things to others or do the wrong thing because it feels better to fight back. But what does God want you to do? How does he want you to respond? Let me share some examples from Scripture with you. When God is asking you to do something, someone, or somebody treats you a certain way, or you don't like something, or something's beyond your control, how do you respond when emotions are high? The first part of that is don't follow your heart. I know that runs in sharp contrast with everything else. And, I, and so i got to say this, all right? I know that this time of year... There's many sitting here that really like to watch Hallmark movies. <laughs> it's okay, you could admit it. It's all right. Um, many that like to watch Hallmark movies. All right. So I will, I will confess that I have watched them also. Um, so I will I, I sit down with my wife. It's good quality time with my wife, you know, to watch those movies. I do like some of them if the acting's good. Um, all right, and, and sometimes it is, so that's, that's good, but, you know, and they're fun. I enjoy them. Like, there's a fun aspect to them, but the reality of the, of the heart of it all is that that's a message that you see throughout those movies is follow your heart, and then you get the prince, and then, you know, then you start the cookie store or something, you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Like, whatever it might be, right? So, 
But the Bible is very clear not to follow our heart, right? Um, Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. As I mentioned before, we need to focus on starting with truth and then letting truth guide us, the truth of God's Word. Because we need to, because wherever our heart goes, we're going to go follow that. And it may not be following after God. So guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. To explain a little bit further, we're going to go, we're going to read a passage from Jeremiah. Now, the prophet Jeremiah um, was, is called the weeping prophet. Um, he ministered to, he was a prophet to Judah, and he, he's called the weep, weeping prophet because he kept on telling people what to do, and nobody did it. Nobody listened to him. They're like, yeah, no. Can you imagine that? It's his whole life. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. Nobody ever listened to him. But, right, so Jeremiah, we're going in, this is, in the, so that's what we're talking about here. We're going to Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 to 9. This is what the Lord says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is. What a, whew, and I hear that, I'm like, wow. I mean, we, we really don't want to trust our hearts. We want, to, we want to build a foundation, a foundation in God's Word, and a foundation in our relationship with Jesus so that we know Him more and so that we can better navigate life. And um, you see, this is why Mary responded in the way that she did. There had been a foundation in her life. It was there because she knew and sought after God before this happened. She sought to please Him with her life. So even when she experienced this intense emotion, she fell back on her faith and her great God whom she loved. So what about you? What about me? How can we build a foundation so that we can be like trees planted by streams of water? When unlikely events happen in our life, what will we do? I wanted to encourage you with some application today related to this. Um, some of you may have gone through this book with someone, or, or maybe you didn't. Um, but one of the things that we encourage as a next step is to go through this book called Foundations. So many, so if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your forgiver and leader, this is, this is a book that you can go through um, and I encourage you to do so. And if it's basically, it says essential truths for understanding your relationship with Jesus. But what this helps us to do is it's a tool that draws us to God and His Word so that we can build that foundation so that when things happen in life, we have a foundation to go back to. 
we have, we, we have a better understanding of the truth of God's Word. How many in here, how many ever feel like God's Word is overwhelming, like the Bible? When you look at the Bible as a whole, it's like overwhelming, right? It's like a big book. <laughs> There's a lot of words in there, right? And so if we can help better understand that book and help in our walk with Jesus, this, this is one, one tool. So um, this will not be at the Welcome Center. This is something that a mentor would take you through. So if you're interested in going through this, I put my email up there. So I ask that you would email me and say, yeah, I'm interested in having somebody take me through the Foundations book as a next step um, in my walk with Jesus. Um, there are other applications uh, that may involve you know, downloading the Bible app. It may involve using some of the devotionals that we have out at the Welcome Center. But the idea is building that foundation in your walk with Jesus so that you can grow in that walk. And so when things happen in, our, in, in your life, that you could uh, fall back on the truth of God's Word and, and, and grow in that way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you love us so much. I thank you for your word that just guides us and, and for these examples of, of people in Scripture like, like Mary who, who have just shown us what it looks like to trust you even when they're scared, even when we're sad or we're depressed or, or whatever we're going through, Lord. We know the truth of your word can guide us. And I just pray for each and every one here this morning um, that you would guide us all into your truth and that we would honor you and continue to reach others for you so that you can change lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.